My name is Charlotte, and um, we're going to be talking about guarding our heart. And I'm going to try not to stare at my computer, but um, I was very late in putting a lot of this together. So I don't just know it. I'm going to have to look at it. But thankfully, you're going to see what I'm seeing. Um, and the, the title of our session here is about guarding our hearts and um, what, how, and why we should care about that. I know when I was a teenager, I didn't really know what that meant. I was just like, okay, guard my heart. I you know, heard the Bible verses where it says my heart is deceitfully wicked. I didn't really understand that either because that just didn't make sense to me. But that's what our session's about today. Um, so welcome. Um, my name is, like I said, my name is Charlotte. And um, you don't know who I am. <laughs> I've seen Naomi before. I've never seen you. What's your name again? Aisha. Aisha. I've never seen you before, Aisha. Um, so thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Um, I'm not a public speaker, so bear with me. I, I get very nervous about talking in front of people. I'm thankful there's only two of you. But I also feel like I'm putting a lot of pressure on you. So <laughs> if, you need, if you need me to say, like, back off, Charlotte. Like, stop staring at me, sir, Aisha. You know what I mean? Then just tell me. <laughs> um, so I'm um, married to Tony. He's my truck driver husband. And the cool thing about our love story is um, when I first met him, I wanted him to go away. He was obnoxious and he was loud and he scared me. <laughs> and I literally, <laughs> I wanted him to go away. Um, but it only took about two months later before I was in love with him. And I literally had the butterfly feeling that they talk about in books, which I'd never experienced before. So, um, but that's a, that's, for, that's a story for another time. <laughs> Uh, I, we have three children. Um, my oldest son is Ty. He's 23. He's just like his mama in a lot of More ways. Yeah. And then our, my daughter is Shelby, and she's just like her daddy in a lot of ways. And he's 23. She's 20. And then my baby is Cam, and he just turned 11. He's the little boy in the middle. And then on top of Shelby's lap is Willow. That's her daughter. So she's my granddaughter, and she just turned one in December. And I love her to pieces, and then that's our dog. And our dog loves Willow, too, as you can tell. It's Coco. I graduated from the school across the street, um, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up in the church. I started coming to church here when I was a little girl. I actually rode the bus. We had a bus ministry back then. We didn't have a car. Um, we were kind of poor. And my neighbors invited us to go to church on the bus ministry, and we did. And that's what got me started here at Brian. And it took a couple more years, and then my mom started coming and my grandma, because my dad, we didn't have a dad there. And eventually I was in high school and we were still going to church there and I got an anonymous scholarship. And so I got a chance to come to the school and I didn't want to because I went to 71st and all of my friends were there. I'd grown up with these friends, but there was no, I had no choice. I had to come and um, I didn't want to be with these people because I'd sat in Sunday school and they were clicky and I was never part of their clique, no, how much, how, no matter how long I knew them. Um, and so I didn't want to be friends with them, but I went and um, by the end of that year, I loved it there. It was just so wonderful. It was free and it was, you have to worry about people running down the hallway and pushing you down. Do you go to school somewhere in town, Aisha? I go to Christian. You do go to Faithful Christian? Okay. And are you homeschooled, Naomi? No. Where do you go to school at? I thought your mom homeschooled you. I was. <laughs> okay. Where do you go to school at? Terry Sanford. Terry Sanford. So you know how it is in public school where you just know people, they'll run down the hallway and they don't mean to like bump into you or anything. Yeah. You know, it just happens, you know, you, and I never even noticed it when I was there, you know, there might be a fight or something. But what I noticed when I went to Berean was there was just like this, that wasn't going to happen. You didn't have to worry about someone knocking you over or walking past you and just saying something mean, you know, because there's always bullies, you know, but I just didn't have that feeling. So um, I stayed there and I graduated from there in 96 and I ended up understanding the students there a little bit more. Like I understand, they're just kids like we're you're just kids I said we are just kids I'm not a kid anymore 
but <laughs> I tried to remember what it was like to be a teenager for my daughter for when she became a teenager and they're just not perfect and so if you have any kind of struggles with you know making friendships in the youth group and things like that just remember they're not perfect and you reach out and you can't help what they do and if they don't reciprocate you know just move on to someone else but definitely forgive them because they're they're just as insecure and worried about friendships as you are and that's something I learned um, when I moved at an older age to a different school um, I work at BBA now that's how much I loved it <laughs> I get to work here I started teaching in 2006 I taught the little babies and my kids had to grow up as teachers kids it means they have to work all the time they had to work in the summer, help me tear down a classroom. They had to go back early and help me build up a classroom. They had to pass out my papers and vacuum my floor. And um, they kind of hated it, but I think they also liked it now that they're a little bit older. Um, but then in 2020, right before the pandemic, thankfully, um, I switched over and I am the high school receptionist. And I love high schoolers. I love them even more than I loved kindergartners. I, I, God took, Way more. he gave me that love for that season. And now it's like, I don't ever want to go back there again. <laughs> I love the high school kids. I love the guys. I love the girls. I taught so many of them. I get to see them grown up and it is just such a blessing to me. I love teenagers. I, like I said, I, I consciously made an effort when I had children to remember what it was like in high school. And I know it was very different for me than it is for you guys now, because I didn't have to live in this world when I was in high school. Um, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have social media, and just those two things alone, you never get to turn it off. Like when I left school, if my friend didn't call me on the phone, I didn't have any connection to school anymore. And so I got to kind of get a break and you guys didn't really get a break. Um, but I still really wanted to remember what it was like to think about what people thought of you and have friends and have a place to sit at lunch and things like that. Um, but I love where I work now, I love being the receptionist. Um, I try not to say I'm just the receptionist um, because I kind of feel like I'm not a teacher and they're super, super important. They have a way harder job than I do. I know because I was a teacher, um, but I am just a receptionist, but I get to smile. I get to greet people and help them. And that's what I really like to do, which is kind of cool how they were talking about being a helper in the main session we had um, because I've always wanted to be a helper. I don't know if that's just a girl thing or a people thing, but I like it when I'm able to help someone and it actually does, does help them. And that's just another picture of my granddaughter because I just love her so much. And she's got a big boo-boo just now. My daughter was at the gym and she fell. And Anyway, she's just the most precious thing in the world. A huge blessing. And I can't imagine our lives without her. So, And there's a story behind that as well. That's for another time. But um, God is good. God is good. That's what Willow has taught us. Um, so scripture tells us to guard our hearts. And the verse we're going with, is keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And it's Proverbs 4.23. But what does it mean? And I'm, this is what I'm taking right now is exactly what this session was advertised. Um, and so it's what I try to base off all my information on. What does it mean? What does it look like? Why should you care about guarding your heart? Why should you care that the springs of life flow from it? What, what's the big deal? Um, and we're going to talk about ways to help you guard your hearts. Um, from physical, social, and emotional dangers of the world, because there's a lot, and you hear about those things. You're not, you know, out of touch. Um, but first, we're going to pray, <laughs> because I could get talking and forget to pray, and I need God, because I really hate public speaking. <laughs> I can answer a phone, and I can say hi, and I can have a conversation with you one-on-one, -on -one, but when I'm the person in the front of the room, even when two of them are practically my family, I get so nervous. So let's go ahead and pray. 
<sighs> Dear Lord, I thank you so much for Aisha and Naomi, Lord, that they came here today, whether they wanted to or not, Lord. And I know, <laughs> I know I did not want to. <laughs> um, I actually prayed, pause on the prayer. I prayed I would get a stomach virus last night, guys. Same. I prayed I would throw up. <laughs> I prayed that I would. I was like, maybe I'll start throwing up violently. Back to the prayer. So, Lord, thank you for letting that not happen. Thank you for not letting me give in to my fears and my worries and my insecurities, Lord. Thank you for the truth you showed me through preparing for this and help me just to um, plant a few seeds that will help Aisha and Naomi and even maybe Pam and Brooke and myself, Lord, um, during this time. Help me not to race through it. Help me to speak what you want me to speak, Lord, and um, just help me to praise you after it. And I just thank you for what you've given me, Lord, today. In your name, amen. Um, So I wanted to start with a word study. And a word study... Um, I took a class with Pam Ricard here. She's my, one of my besties, by the way. And our daughter's grew up together. But um, her, her, her leg got stuck on my coffee table, and she was two when I had to break it. Um, but we took a class together at the college that she used to work at. She used to work at Carolina College of Biblical Studies. And it's on McPherson Church Road. And it was a free class, and it was called How to Study the Bible. And I took it, like, 10 years ago or so. And so I had been a Christian for a long time. I was even a teacher at the school. And I was like, okay, I want to learn how to study the Bible more. It's one thing if you read your Bible, if you pay attention to church, and you might even read your own devotions to prepare your heart for the day. But I didn't know how to study the Bible, like, at all. It was too overwhelming. I'd seen the big books people would, like, look for words in, and I was like, I'll let Pastor Sean do that in my life. And it was very empowering to take this class from an instructor that was really, really good and friendly and made it interesting, and I could learn how to figure out the Bible for myself, which is very, very important, because you're going to be faced with things in your life, and people are going to argue with you, or anything could happen, and to know what the Lord says about something is just so powerful, and I'm just so thankful for that class. And this link may not work, but maybe it will. Oh, it's going to work. No, I don't think it's going to work. Okay, kind of did. It's really small, though. Um, So what this has is um, all different versions of the same Bible verse. And I don't know if y'all can see it. I can barely see it. So it didn't get big, and that's okay. Okay, okay. So we're going to – there's many different ways that Bible verse is said in different versions of the Bible. And you can prayerfully and – be educated in the version that you choose, just to make sure it is staying close to what we hope God intended for the verses to say. Um, I usually, honestly, I'm not going to lie, I go with what Pastor Sean says. I trust him as the leader of the church that God placed him there. Um, I don't blindly follow him, of course. I, I have a brain. But I do I do agree with what he says to you. So I typically use the versions that he uses. Um, I like that I can see um, that he proves how these words mean what they mean, and it's not just someone's idea of what they thought the verse meant. And when it says keeping our hearts, um, in, the, uh, in the, the definition of that word is to guard it. So it's not just keep it and put it in your pocket. It's to guard it. Um, think about something you have that is very, very precious that you wouldn't want anyone to take, whether it's a pet or a sibling or money or whatever. And you wouldn't just let it, anyone hold it. You would guard it. Um, I kept thinking of the changing of the guard in England, you know, the guys with the red coats and the tall hats and how they don't budge when people come and look at their faces, you know, tourists, and then they, they, cha- they never leave um, that post unsecured. There's someone who takes their place at all times in the rain, in the snow, um, because 
they care about what they're protecting. And it's telling us to keep our heart that way. Um, and then if I clicked all these links, it would tell you a little bit more about what these words mean. Um, but diligence, have you ever had someone tell you to work diligently in school? You know, be diligent. Um, that means don't be careless. Keep it with diligence. Purposefully keep it constantly. Be thinking about your heart. And we're not talking about the organ that's in our body necessarily. It is in the center of our body. And it's what kind of does. It flows throughout our whole body. And it pumps the blood through our body. And then it also, um, what's inside of our body is our soul. And often we refer to our soul as our heart because we love from it. And Valentine's Day is coming. You know, so we're supposed to protect our hearts, protect our inner being, protect who we are. Um, I, I recently had, uh, was talking with a counselor and we were talking about who we are inside and she said, not the shell, says we all have a shell, um, but the person that's inside of the shell, who is that person? Um, and that is the person we need to protect um, because our heart will want to control us a lot and uh, we get our feelings from our hearts and we know that our feelings often are not the best way to gauge our decisions um, because it lies to us sometimes. Um, but keep it with diligence because um, the springs of life flow through it. And when I was reading about springs in the Bible, um, they, the people in the Bible could not, not even in the Bible, that time, in the Old Testament time, they couldn't just move anywhere they wanted to. They couldn't just, you know, be a, um, even, even in America when it was being colonized, they couldn't just move anywhere. They had to go someplace where there was water. Because And there had to be flowing water. It had to be fresh water. It couldn't be stale water. It couldn't run out because it would literally give them water to drink. It would feed their crops and that crops would grow food. It would feed their animals who then would help them plow their crops and they would feed off of them. It would be their transportation. They'd clean their clothes. If they didn't have a fresh water source that was always there, they couldn't live there. Um, and we have to keep our hearts with diligence because from our heart does spring life. It is not just the thing that pumps the blood and keeps us alive, but it is also who makes us who we are. And it's the person who's going to help us be who we are in the future and um, impact countless people in the future as well. But something I learned in that class was that context is king. And so we can't just look at one Bible verse and pick it out and say, okay, I'm going to base everything off this sentence. Let's find out what was before the sentence, what was after the sentence. So this whole little section where it's held, I, I italicized the part that we're studying right now. It says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all of your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Be attentive to my words. That is one of the first things being said. Be attentive to my words. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them. So let them not escape. Keep them within your heart, because the heart is what we're talking about. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to their flesh. Those words of God are life and they are healing. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Um, 
you know what a vigilante is? It's like the hero of the story um, who goes in and kicks butt and and walks away with the explosion behind them and the wind just blows their hair in the face. We've all seen those memes. Um, <laughs> keep your heart with all vigilance. Make it that important to you that you protect your heart, meaning your soul, what's inside of you. For, far, for from it flows the springs of life put away from you. So we've been told to keep. We've been told to not let it escape, to keep again, put away from you. So we're not keeping this. We're putting it away. It's the opposite of what we've been reading so far. We're putting this away. Put away crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Crooked speech, that could mean um, anything that's not... If you see something straight, if I had a straight line from here to there, I'd see the whole line. But if it was crooked, I wouldn't know what was hiding behind the next turn. Um, don't let your speech be that way. Um, I know that could be a whole lesson on itself, but we don't have that kind of time. But put away from you crooked speech and devious talk far from you. Devious is, if someone's described as devious, it's kind of like, they're not just untruthful. They're not just a liar. They're devious. Like, they're thinking about ways to manipulate someone or be evil to someone. You've seen that in movies. I hope you've never seen that in person. Maybe you know a person in your life who is devious. It's just, it's more than mean and it's more than sinful. It's, it's like they're, they're looking for ways to divide, to mess things up they're being devious so put away crooked speech put away devious talk far from you let your eyes so do this let them look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you if i send my husband into walmart to get milk it's at the back of the store and i wish i could put horse blinders on him (laughs) because he's gonna see little debbie's and he's gonna see Doritos, and he's going to see the Mustang t-shirts, and he'll even see the electronics at the other end of the store (laughs) somehow, and I, I can't put blinders on him. Let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Don't let the things that are going to pop up that Satan's going to try to use to shake you, don't let those distract you from what you feel like you're supposed to be doing, what you feel like God is showing you how to, you know what to do. And you might say, well, how do I know what God is showing me what to do? Well, we're going to try to see if we can figure a little bit of that out today too. Ponder the path of your feet, then all of your ways will be sure. So if we're looking directly forward and our gaze is straight before us, then we see where our feet are getting ready to lay. Think about where you're going next. Think about what you're, what's going to happen after let's say you have some place to go you're going to be hanging out with friends well think about how you want to be perceived there think about the decisions that you might have to make at that event think about when you come home how you want to have represented yourself and your family and your lord don't just let things happen because if we don't have a plan in our life even for little small things um we can get so far off our path that we don't think we can get back on it So ponder the path. Think about what's going to happen. Make a plan, and then all of your ways will be sure. Now, you're not going to be perfect, but you've put effort into it. You're not just going to let something pull you to the side. So these are all words that I had made super huge and big in that passage. 
not escape, ponder, keep them, put away, look directly forward, be attentive, vigilant, straight before you. These are all very active words. They're action words. They're not all verbs necessarily. I was going to say that first, but I'm like, not all of them really. Be attentive is not a verb, but to be attentive is, is a verb. Um, those are things you have to do. You can't just um, sit to the side and hope everything goes okay. You have a part to play in your life and what's going to happen to you. And this is a time in your life where it's hard to think about the future because all you know is what's already happened. I remember being a teenager and every day seemed like the end of the world for me. And I didn't know what the future was going to be like because all I knew was right now. I couldn't imagine something other than what I was living. And I very distinctly remember that. And I wish that I, someone probably told me this back then, but I wish that I had listened. I wish, because so much is ahead of you, it's hard to imagine because your life has already been what it is up to now, but there's so much ahead of you that your brain can't even wrap around. So ponder, be attentive, put away, um, look directly forward, be vigilant. Those are just all words that God used um, that make us have to do something. We can't just be passive. And then life, healing, and sure. Those words were also in the passage. And when we do those active things, um, we have life. We have healing when the bad things happen. It's possible to heal. And sometimes things are going to happen even in if you're only 17, if you're only 16, 15, that you have to heal from. And it can happen. And, and you can find healing in God. And then sure. Now sure isn't just like, okay, sure. Um, but sure is like knowing and trusting. You're sure of it. You're sure that, um, that the boat's not going to sink. You're sure. You, you can get on the boat and you know you're going to be okay. You're sure of it. So why should we care? This was one of the topics that is listed in the description of this session. Why should we care to ke and, and keep our heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life? Why should that? Why? Well, to, the very obvious reason is because God does say so. <laughs> it's in his Bible. He told us to do that. Um, but I wanted to you to notice that I wrote down that he does say so. I didn't put because God did say so because he is alive and he's alive through his word and that's something amazing that we have that no other religion in the world does our god is alive and his word is him talking to us so that is one reason to care about it god preserved it through thousands of years so that you would know to do that so because god told us to um because his word is alive and it is sharper than a two-edged sword and that kind of seems like just a saying you know, just a verse but when you can trust in god's word and you know god's word um it is so powerful it is so powerful um but, but like i said that's a conversation for another day um another reason is so that you can be a light for those around you one of the things i didn't realize when i was a teenager is that the grown-ups are always watching like always watching. I think about sitting in church some nights and how I, I wasn't paying attention. I was talking to my friends. And when I became a grown-up, I realized, oh, wow, people were watching me like I'm watching other people. People are always watching you, but not only adults who you feel like are probably judging you, um, but the younger ones are watching you too. And they see what you're doing and, and they want to be like you. And I remember as a high schooler, I didn't know why anyone would want to be like me. I just, I just was a person. But the younger ones, they do 
want to be like you. And then you have peers who, if you have the Lord, you have something that they may not have. And when they see that light in you, and not a physical light, of course, but just a positivity that comes from you that maybe you shouldn't have, maybe your circumstances um, aren't the best, and you should be just crumpled up, but for some reason you're not, it's going to make people wonder why you're not. And it gives you the opportunity to share with them um, what God has done for you. Um, just like when Israel escaped Egypt, um, God is our light just like he was for them. They didn't know where to go. They just had to go and they had to trust the Lord. And that's going to happen with us a lot of times too. We just have to go and we have to do. We don't have time to think and ponder. Um, he led them through a cloud during the daytime, but at night he led them as a light. And you can be that light for some people when you don't even know it. I know I didn't feel like I was equipped to do anything. I still don't feel that way as an adult. Um, but I know that I am because people are watching. And you just never know who needs some help. That even though you don't feel like you've arrived and you don't feel like you're equipped to help people, um, you just don't know who you can help just because you've allowed God into your heart and you're vigilantly working um, who you can help. So how do I react to the struggles in life? Um, who are you exalting with your life? And who are you exalting through social media, through your conversation? Think about how you spend your time. And I don't want it to be a don't waste your time on social media talk. Um, but because I'm a human and I'm a girl and I have a phone, I know what I can spend a lot of my time doing. And I... I know I can waste it and I can fill my head up with things that are not pointing me to God. A lot of the time I spent on social media isn't going to help me when someone has a need that I can help them with, unless it's finding the right mascara. And I might, you know, but, <laughs> but there's going to be bigger problems in life than finding the right mascara. Um, so how do you react when you have a struggle? Um, what does your life represent when people look at it? Um, Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And there's a section in the Bible, I think it's in Proverbs, because I try to read a proverb every day. And usually if I'm feeling a little... Um, prideful of myself. It happens to be the day I read this particular proverb or maybe a psalm. And it says, don't seat yourself. It's like, imagine there's like a, a, a party and it's at the king's, it's the king's party. And it says, don't put yourself at the table closest to the king, because what if they say, oh, we need you to get up and move because someone more important needs to sit here. It says, seat yourself back further and if you're to move up, let them move you up. Let them say, oh, no, no, we want you to sit up here. Um, and that's all about humility. And God says right here in the New Testament that if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. Someone else is going to humble you. But if you work hard to stay humble, um, you'll be exalted in other ways. And um, that's to me is it's I've met people and I know people who are very prideful. And you might know people like that in your life. And you don't even get a chance to say good job because they've already said good job to themselves. You know, they say, I'm so great, you know. Don't, don't be a person like that. Um, let your humility 
be what people see because that if you're humble it points people to god and that's really who we want our lives to point people to and i told you i'm just gonna kind of ramble because i'm so not the best at this but i had a purpose so (laughs) what does it look like to guard our hearts um meditating on truth now okay you say meditating what does that mean because if someone would have said meditating to me when i was a teenager i would have been like like sit in a room with my hands like this you know what does that mean Fill what you look at with truth. And when I say truth, I mean God's word, which I know is kind of probably not the coolest thing to be talking about, but that's, it's what it is. It's God's word and what he calls truth because we know that's truth. We can trust it as truth. And take a break from the world when it gets overwhelming. Um, I know oftentimes with me, like with social media, I'm going to bring up social media because there's lots of things I don't struggle with. But I, I struggle with how much time I can spend on Instagram because I'm old. I don't even want to look at TikTok because it stresses me out. I can only do one thing at a time. So it'll be Instagram. But there's times I have to take a break from it and like say, okay, to my besties, I'm going to take a break. So don't try to contact me that way. I just need to not look at that for like a week and detox my brain. You know what I mean? because I'm too involved in what other people are doing and not doing things myself that God has given me a purpose to do. Um, and then honestly, what I do when I take those breaks is every time I, I usually have to delete the app because I'm so tempted to go right to it. I delete the app, but then I still have that you know, muscle memory. Like they say, basketball players have this muscle memory and they practice so much that when the ball comes in, they just know what to do. They know how to shoot. Well, my muscle memory would be sit down on my couch after work and hit Instagram. So every time I want to do that, I would force myself to go to my Bible app. I said, it's not cool, but it actually is the best thing for me. And I would make myself read one of my like 10 saved Bible studies that I had saved that I was interested in. And I'd make myself read one of those. And I would do that every single time that I instinctively wanted to go and waste time on Instagram. And not only was it helping me detox from that me-centered world that I have on Instagram, it was actually giving me something good. It was giving me something true from the Lord. And that is just something for me that helps me when I am overwhelmed with the world and I need to get back to meditating on what is true and what is actually going to matter in life. Um, I just told you how I do it. So there we go. Take a break from scrolling. <laughs> um, have you ever, like, I, I am the worst in the mornings when I need to get ready for school. I have to get ready for school, just like you guys do, because I work at a school and I struggle in the mornings with sitting in my bed when I'm awake saying, okay, I can sit for 15 more minutes and scrolling. And before I know it, like 20 minutes has gone by and I've been scrolling subconsciously looking for the thing I wanted to see, but I haven't quite found it. Have you ever done that before? Like, I, okay, so relatable, like good. And I'll stop and I'm, I look at the time and I freak out and then I'm like, I could have my shower done. I could be putting my makeup on. I could have read something worthwhile, but instead I, I literally have done nothing for 20 minutes. And it just, I hate that I'm like that, but I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner and I, I need to actively working to be better. I need to actively be asking God to help me be better, but it is a struggle that I have. Um, and, and it just, it wastes time. So I have to personally, for me, I have to take time away and just detox and and get my heart focused on God because out of my heart flows the springs of life. I have to remember those things that I've learned about God um, through my Bible 
so that I can be prepared to do those things he wants me to do. Have you ever beat yourself up about it? I mean, you could probably tell I, I do because of what, I, what I'm saying, but I do. Like I said, we're humans. Um, we need to be vigilant, like I said in that verse, and set ourselves up so that we can turn and get back on that straight path instead of those crooked paths that we get on. Um, B, pray. Um, I'll say, what is it that I'm looking for, God? Why am I just mindlessly scrolling? What is it that I'm not wanting to face? What is it that I'm wanting to ignore? Because for me, oftentimes that is what it is. Maybe my house, for me, I'm an adult, so my messy house bothers me. A messy room may not bother you guys. It did not bother me when I was a teenager. I had too many things on my plate that I had a load of laundry just laying on the, it was fine, I didn't care. But as an adult, that stresses me out. So why am I just sitting here scrolling when I know I have things I have to do? Um, what are you, maybe I'm feeling a longing for a purpose. There could be that the Lord has put that longing on my heart and that he wants me to find something he wants to give me. And so I, I pray, what is it that you want to show me God? Because I definitely feel unsettled. So I know there's something. And then sometimes I just have to pray and ask him, why, why am I so discontent? Why am I not having peace? Why does it feel like you've given me a home, you've given me a husband, you've given me children and friends and a fulfilling job and a church, and I have your salvation, Lord? Why am I so discontent? Why am I not happy with what I have? I have to pray and I have to ask him. Um, and a lot of people struggle with prayer, and I struggled with praying for the longest time. I mean, I'm 45 years old, and I know I look like 27. <laughs> but I am a grandma. I'm 45. I struggled with praying probably up until 10 years ago. And I was a Christian long before that. But for whatever reason, I just struggled with praying. I, I, I didn't know if I needed to do it formally. I, I felt like a sham sometimes going and talking to God. Like, God knows I am not worthy to talk to him. Why would, why would I even attempt to talk to him? But praying is just talking to God. And God, I could put a star there because God is, I don't want to say he's just your heavenly father. He is so all encompassing of so many things that we can't even begin to think about who all he truly is. But part of God is our heavenly father. Now, I grew up without a father. I just had my grandma and I had my mom. Um, so I think that was part of the reason why I kind of had a hard time with praying and thinking of God that way. Um, but as I've grown up and I've seen my children with their father and how they will just lay and talk with him. I have to realize that is what God wants me to do as well. He is, he will be that person, that thing, not a person, but that thing for me. And um, I just have to talk to him. He already knows what's going on in my head. He already knows what I'm struggling with. He already knows what I've been choosing to sin and do. Um, but he wants me to talk to him about it. He wants me to ask him for help. Um, do you guys have little siblings? Yeah, okay. Because um, you can't relate to your parents wanting you to help them. But if your little sibling had something they were just super struggling with and you didn't know about it and you found out about it, could you, re could you even possibly relate to being like, why didn't you tell me this? You know what I mean? Why didn't you tell me this was hurting? Or maybe you know they were going through a struggle, but you just didn't know how bad it was for them. Well, that's how God is with us. He knows our struggles. He knows, he knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm feeling. But he still wants me to go to him and talk to him about it, just like you would want your little sister or your little brother to do to you because you want to be that person for them. You have the wisdom that they don't have yet, 
and you know of things that can help them or you know that you can just hold them and be someone's safe for them. And that's what God wants to be for you. He wants to be that for me. And it just took me a very long time to see God that way. Now, yes, there's also times where he is so awesome, like full of awe that I, you know, I want to just raise my arms and worship him and bow down on the floor. But there's also times where I need him to be my father and I need to let him be my father. Um, Another way is by reading and studying our Bible. We read our Bibles at church um, and that's good, but that's not enough. And it was probably not till 15 years ago of my 45 years that I got good about reading my Bible as a choice, um, making it something I did every single day. And it took me being very discontent and struggling with a lot of different things to finally accept the fact that I wasn't doing that. And I knew I needed to do that. And I knew I had to be purposeful, just like about purposefully protecting our hearts. I had to make myself do it. And I kind of thought because I didn't want to do it, I couldn't do it. But that wasn't true. I had to make myself do it. I made myself read my Bible every single day. I started with reading a proverb. Have you ever heard about that? How there's 31 proverbs, chapters of proverbs, and there's 31, you know, days of a month, 30 days of a month. And if you read like Proverbs chapter one on the first day of the month, and you read, and then the second day you read chapter two, and if you miss a couple of days, well, today is the 11th, I would read Proverbs 11. And I did that for like five years. I made myself do it until the time came where I would wake up knowing I had to do it. Not because I promised God, I knew I had to do it. Like I knew when I opened my eyes in the morning, I am an adult. I have my phone right next to my bed. I don't know what your parents' rules are for phones. My kids weren't allowed to have their phones in their bedrooms back you know, in the archaic days of like five years ago. Um, they weren't allowed to until they became adults. But if I don't make the first thing I do when I open my eyes, praying and talking to God and asking him to help me, whatever's going to happen in this day, and then opening my Bible app and reading something from him, I knew I had to do that first. Otherwise, all the pressures of the world were going to start to fill up my head. And if I didn't make a strategy of, I'm going to pray real quick. I'm going to ask God to help me before my feet hit the floor. And I'm going to read and listen to his answer. I I needed to do that. And it took years of me forcing myself to do that. And then I turned to where I needed to do that. And now I get to where now I choose to do that because I want to do that. I'll go to bed and I'll say, I don't want to watch TV. I don't want to scroll Instagram. I don't want to read a book. I want to end my day close to God. So I'll, on my best days, I'll start my day talking to God and listening to him. And on my best days, I'll also end it that way. But that didn't just happen. I had to be vigilant. I had to put my blinders on. I had to make a choice to do that. Um, And reading our Bible, it's simply listening to God. So if you're talking and talking and talking to someone, you know, mom, let's say you're talking to mom, mom, I don't know what to do, this, this, and this, mom, this, this, and this, and then mom's going to be like, oh, I have the answer, do this, and you're like, no, 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 I got to go to school. You just asked her all these questions, and then you did not listen to what she had to say about it. That is what reading our Bible is to God. Praying is talking to God, it's all it is, but he's answering us when we read our Bible, and it's so simple when I say it that way, but I know from experience how hard it is to just believe it and make it something that I I do, I actively do. It was a choice I had to make to do it. Um, And it's impossible for God to lie. 
it says in Hebrews, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. So what he is going to give us in his word, it is truth. And you're going to find a way to apply it to your life. It might, when um, Taylor Barnes was reading the paper that Pastor Sean had written, and part of it he was mentioning Proverbs 31 um, about the wife and all the things that she had done, you know you can believe that because God can't lie. And um, it says, in all, I think it's actually the next verse, um, Hebrews 6, 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Like we don't have to sit on the outside just letting life happen to us. We can hold on to something that is true and that is strong and that is going to help us. And we get to go, have you ever seen probably a very poor analogy but the wizard of oz at the end where he's like don't look at the guy behind the curtain um he was pretending the wizard was the big face but it was really that guy um it's a bad analogy because god really is bigger than that little guy was but when you're allowed into god's inner sanctuary you're communing with god you're spending time with him you're trusting him you're literally telling him, God, I don't know what to pray, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what is wrong. I don't know how I feel, and I don't know what to do. I just need you to help me. I need you to show me. He is like, it's like he's holding you in his hands, or he's up next to you in your bed. And there's been times I've been so overburdened with worry in my life, and I talk to God, and I fall asleep. And I used to get so upset with me, myself, because I would fall asleep praying to God. And then I either watched something on television or someone said, if you were laying next to your father and you were pouring out your heart to him and then the relief was so good that you fell asleep, would your father be angry with you? Would he wake you up? No, you would, he would you have that peace because you were in the presence of God. And so it is something real and God doesn't lie and he can really give you that feeling as well. Um, this was from a devotion at 535 in the morning because that's when I usually read my Bible. Um, our anchor, our hope in God and his promise of eternal salvation anchors and steadies us when life is difficult and disappointing. God has promised his children that his presence and love will remain both in this life and after death. The pro this promise is unmovable and can provide spiritual support when we feel overwhelmed with hardships and losses in life. Knowing that no matter what we are facing, no matter how our ocean of our life is tossing us around, um, we can hold on to the anchor of God's truth. That anchor is not going to move. We will be tossed around by the world, but we can hold on to that anchor of God's truth. Um, reflect on your own story. We've all been given a story, and your story is shorter than my story. Um, I have 45 years of a story. My daughter has 20 years of a story, which is a story for another time. But God has worked in a mighty way in my family's life through the struggles my daughter has had. And reflect on your story about the things you struggled with and gone through, even things that maybe aren't resolved yet. You don't know why you've gone through them. You haven't seen this positive reason. You're just thinking, well, I don't care if something is positive coming. Why do I have to go through this right now? Um, I was in a Bible study here at the church, and Priscilla Shire was a video Bible study. And one of the things she said was that the antidote for worry is thankfulness. And I struggle with anxiety, and I've had panic attacks. And I remember years ago, I didn't know there were panic attacks, but I remember I got home from church. I think it was actually the night I heard this, which is just how awesome God can be. Let me check my time. And 
I'd heard this and it made sense, but then I'd gotten home and maybe it was a bill or something like that I had opened. And I still remember in my kitchen and just feeling like my heart was going to be, was beating so fast. It was going to jump out of my chest and I almost couldn't breathe. And it was just, I just felt like my body was just getting so tense. I was lifting up. And then I remembered what I heard in Bible study. And for some reason I decided to do it. And in the midst of that panic attack, holding whatever was in my hand that I had read and it upset me, I said, thank you, Lord, for my home. Thank you for getting me home safely. And I just started listing these things. And then I actually worked and it brought me back down and it nipped the panic attack in the bud. It didn't fix the problem that was in my hand. It didn't fix that, but it calmed me down because when I'm remembering the things he's done for me, it helps me to know that he can do more. He will do more. And it's not because I deserve it. And it's not because I'm perfect. Because if I was perfect, I wouldn't get into these messes <laughs> that he has to save me from. But it helped me, okay, calm down. Now, Lord, help me fix this. What do I need to do? It got me thinking rationally again. I was guarding my heart and not letting my heart just run away. Um, God has given his pro- us his promises to sustain us even in difficult times. How do these promises provide an anchor of hope in your life, even though you may feel tossed and turned by the situations around you? Now, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with God. Um, We were just discussing at lunch how um, people can't really be saved until they are lost. And for me, when I was a teenager, um, my parents took care of me. My mother took care of me. Even though at the time I didn't think she was taking very good care of me, um, when I was out on my own and I didn't have my parents to fall back on is when I really started thinking about and pursuing a relationship with God because I had to. It's hard when your mom and your dad take care of everything. You don't have that feeling, and that's an honest thing. But think about if you do have a relationship with God, no matter how new it is or how long you've had it, um, how he has been or he could have been an anchor of hope for you if you'd had him during that time. Um, Don't let your heart get away from you guard it with vigilance because if you guard it you'll be able to hold on to what's real and what is good and not what your feelings are going to say is real because our feelings lie to us i remember telling my little kindergarten students when they would have little arguments between the two of each other and i would say we can't trust our feelings because our feelings will lie to us um but God's word is truth and we have to look to the truth. And even though I was talking to little kindergartners, it's just as applicable to us. But we won't know what is true if we don't spend time learning how to pray and how to listen to his word. Um, Lies that we tell ourselves, we're supposed to be holding on to truth. We tell ourselves, and maybe you don't, maybe you guys are the like perfect teenage girls. <laughs> but when I was a teenage girl, <laughs> um, the lies I would tell myself, and as a woman, I still tell myself often, is that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. There is someone better than me. And I don't know if that's relatable or not, but I know that's the things I struggled with. But all that, all those are lies. Not good enough. Not worthy enough. Not pretty enough. Not skinny enough. Not smart enough. Someone is better But truth is, I am chosen. You are chosen. You are loved. I am loved. 
and I am precious. Uh, you are precious. You are not only precious to your family, but you're precious to God. And amazingly enough, he loves you even more than your family does. Tell yourself truth. Um, our feelings are going to come into our lives. They're going to overwhelm us. Remember what is actually true, though. Don't let those feelings and those lies pull you down. So practical ways to guard our hearts. What are some ways we can do it? Because I said how important it is, and but I haven't told you how, how to do it. Now, I don't know all the ways to do it. I'm not perfect. These are just things that work for me. I have to let the first thing that enters my mind in the morning be God. I have to. Otherwise, the lies of the world, my feelings are all going to come sooner than later, and they're going to overwhelm me. I have to let the first thing, when I, I mean literally, like you know how you hear your alarm and you snooze it? Because I snooze. I have to have like two snoozes or I can't do life. Like I can't just get up out of bed. I wish I could just get up and go. I have some snoozes. But when my mind starts to wake up, if I do not pray first and start thinking on things of God, then I'm pretty much going to be doomed for my day because I need him to help me through the day, and it has to be the first thing I think about. In James 1.5, excuse me, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, who gives generously to all without reproach. So ask him who gives generously without reproach. That means without correcting you and say, we've all had people who we ask for help, and they're like, well, I told you you were going to need this, or I wish you would listen to me sooner. God's never going to do that. He's never going to do that. So if you lack wisdom, and trust me, you lack wisdom, because I lack wisdom and I'm 45. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously without reproach, and it will be given. And we've already talked about how it's the truth. He can't lie. It will be given. If you need wisdom in something and you ask God, he will give you wisdom in that thing every single time. What I do, these are just some ideas. I cannot rely on these few um, Christian social media things that I follow on Instagram. I, if I were to wake up in the morning, and number one, I don't pull my physical Bible out in the dark and read. I just don't do that. I use the Bible app on my phone. <laughs> um, or I have uh, two other apps that actually Brooke's mom um, introduce me to the first five app because it literally takes five minutes to read. And that at that time was all I felt like I could give. Five minutes in the morning. You don't have to sit for 30 minutes with a cup of coffee on a chair with a blanket on your lap, like we imagine all of the moms doing, you know, and spending this 30 minute in, you know, intense Bible study at 6 a.m. I only had five minutes. I knew I needed to do it. I didn't feel like I could give any more of that time in the morning. I could do it maybe later, but not in the morning. That app took five minutes to read what they had prepared for that day. And somehow, more than not, God used that for me for that day. And then there's another one called My Utmost for His Highest. Same thing. It takes like five, maybe eight minutes for that one. But it's something that focuses me on God and truth before the world takes over. Because I'm going out into the world whether I like it or not, if I at least start with God, I know I have so much better of a chance of ending well than if I don't. And then you probably all know the YouVersion Bible app. Um, but like I said, I can't get on Instagram and hope I'll find some Bible verses and pretty pictures because I'm tired 
at 5 a.m. and I'm gonna scroll. I'm gonna do the mindless scroll and I'm gonna be late for work. Uh, this is what my phone looks like. And the ones I circled, those are those apps that I was talking about. And you can see my grandbaby there too. Um, and I don't, I try not to get distracted. Now you might say, well, and I know my struggles too. No one's texting me at 5 a.m. So I don't have to worry about getting distracted while I'm reading my Bible app on my phone. But you might, because you have friends. And I'm sure they do things at all ungodly hours all the time. Um, this is part of the YouVersion Bible app, and it has helped me pray in the morning. And the very first one gives you a verse. And the second thing, there's a little story. The person preaches a little bit, and you read something. But then the last part where it says guided prayer, I thought it was really corny at first, and I wasn't going to do it. And I did it one day. And it plays that kind of music you would imagine being played at like a spa or something that just kind of like that ambiance music. And I make it kind of loud and it tells you what to do. It literally says, thank God for X, Y, and Z. And so I close my eyes, that music is going and I talk to God and I thank him. And that's like, ask him for what you need today. And I close my eyes and I talk to God and I ask him for what I'm gonna need today. And then it's like, thank him for what he's already done. And then it's done in like two minutes. And it has helped me pray in the mornings because I don't know about you, but I really struggle in the morning, not just because I'm not a morning person, but sometimes I wake up feeling really low about myself. I, I struggle with that. It's a real struggle that I have. And I feel like God doesn't need to hear, God doesn't want to hear, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm worthy for God to listen to. And that has made me be able to do it. And I needed that because I, I just sometimes I could really fall into just doing the robotic motions and checking off the blocks and praying like, Lord, please protect me, protect my children, protect my husband on the road, help me get to school on time, help me with the struggles I'm going to have today. Okay, but if, you came, if, if someone came and talked to you like that, you wouldn't really believe that they loved you. You know what I mean? Because that's what they're talking to you. Well, that's how I was talking to God. And using that, what I thought was going to be such a corny thing has helped me so much to really feel, and I feel like, oh my goodness, I feel the pressure relieved. Like, I really feel like I've done what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm supposed to talk to God. He wanted me to do that. Um, and then there's, you can see like on the Bible app, you may already use it. I could be so behind the, the ball on this, but I can see what my friends are doing on the Bible app and get yourself some friends who love the Lord because there is nothing like that when God uses those people in your life. And then, of course, there's little plans on your Bible app you can use. I have all of these open right now, and I do the one I feel like doing that morning. Sometimes I don't do any of those. I do something completely different. But there's just so many opportunities to quickly, not to limit how much time we should be spending with God. He's worth more than quickly. But I know for me how much time I have in the mornings versus what I can do later in the day. See, I do take time later in the day. But um, it's just, it, it is so many ways to, there's almost no excuse not to spend some time with the Lord if you truly love the Lord and want that in the mornings. Um, and then meditate. It's okay to just sit in quiet and it's okay to sit in peace. We don't have to fill every waking moment with activity, mental activity. And like I said, I know the struggle because I have the struggle, I'm human, I have a phone. And sometimes I feel like I just, I've lost the ability to just sit and think. Because sometimes when it's just quiet and you've had a day, you need to just sit and think or sit and not think. Sometimes I seem to not think. There's times when I don't have any kids with me in the car and I drive home from work and I don't even want to turn on the radio and I'll just drive in the quiet because we can become so overstimulated. And it's very easy for us to keep that going 
rather than stop and give our bodies and our minds a chance to just rest. You don't have to fill every free space in your life and in your mind with noise and social pollution because pollution in the air crowds out the oxygen in the air that our lungs need and social pollution crowds out the peace and the reflection and the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and our minds and our souls. Sometimes you need to have some quiet time to fully take in what's happened to you that day and to process it, whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it was just intense or I I need to think about this a little bit more. And that's not going to happen if we're filling up our time all the time with things that aren't really going to matter in the long run. And then another way to just connect with God in the mornings, if you're having a hard time doing that, um, is to play music when you're getting ready. Um, but choose music that points you to God. I like all different kinds of music. So I'm not just saying you have to play the music that Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, he picks wonderful music for us to sing in church. But that's not the only music that you can listen to that's going to point you to God. Find music that points you to God that you also really like listening to. I've gotten the best music from my 20-year-old daughter. Um, and it's not something necessarily I would hear in church. It's not something necessarily I would hear on a Christian radio station. It's definitely not something I would hear on a regular radio station. But it totally points me to God. And so even though I'm getting dressed and I'm putting my makeup on and I'm packing a lunch, I'm listening to this and it's forcing me to think about God. And in most cases, the music I use, I'm worshiping God just by having it in my brain. And even if I only have time to do that in the morning, I've at least focused myself on God before I head out into the world. Um, Give your heart a glimpse of what is true before it is bombarded um, from the world with lies. Because like I said, the lies of the world are gonna tell you you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not worthy. Um, And like I said, maybe you have just been blessed with an amazing family who's lifted you up and you don't have those feelings. But I remember as a teenage girl having those feelings and really, really believing them. I know as an adult how often I still really, really believe them. And if you do something at the start of your day, whether it is just praying, whether it is reading a Bible app, whether it is spending, maybe you have 20 minutes to devote in the morning, or maybe it's only, I'm going to put this music on while I'm doing other things, but this music is going to focus me on God because the rest of my day, the world is not focusing on God. Let's see. There's a world of music that's godly and biblically based. Find what is speaking to you from God, not from the world. There's some, even some Christian songs that aren't bad songs. I like them too, but they're not songs that force me to worship God. They're songs that maybe make me think about what he's done for me, but they still kind of point to me. And if it's the only worship you're going to have in the morning, make sure it's something that is pointing you to God. Um, give yourself a fighting chance. The rest of the day could go downhill fast, but you took control of that start, or at least you've let God take control of that start and it will have an impact on your finish. Even if your day turns out totally crummy, but you know you spent time with God that morning, you know it could have been so much worse. You know what I mean? It's gonna do something. And then think about, well, I'm guarding my heart, but what if I've already messed up? I've already messed up. Like Mrs. Derry, you don't know the things I've done in my life, the things I've experienced, it's I've already messed up. Well, messing up is human. Messing up is sin, and there is not one person in the entire church 
or the entire world who has not sinned, who isn't going to sin today because we're not perfect. Messing up is human. But what is tragic is when we don't find a way to take our sins, what we've sinned in doing, how we've messed up, and turn it to where it's glorifying God. If we can take something we've done that we've really messed up and somehow manage to go through it and stay connected to God and then use it to glorify God later, that's just an amazing thing. And you'd be surprised at the things that you can use in your life to glorify him later. We're all sinners, all of us. So we can't beat ourselves up for being a sinner. We're all sinners. None of us ever deserved God. None of us do. We're, we're all sinners. He doesn't love us because we deserve it. I know I struggled for the longest time with believing God could do the things I needed him to do, not because I thought he couldn't do it, but because I didn't think I deserved it. But I had to remember no one deserved it. He didn't love me because I deserved it. He loved me because he created me. He made me. Um, our brains, they were created by God, and we can't fathom how, how he how he can love us so we just have to we just have to get it and believe it and stop rationalizing it um our time is up i did not have time to play the song i wanted to play that was a 10 minute song that i use when i'm in the shower it's my timer for the shower i know i have to be done my shower because i i'm literally getting up and getting ready for school every day even though i'm 45 and i could spend too much time in the shower and not want to get out um and it's by maverick city do you know maverick city any of you guys know maverick city oh i wish i could play it I might go ahead and just play it for a second. I want you to look up, when you go home, the song Gyra by Elevation Worship in Maverick City. And I want you to find this version that has the lyrics to the song because this song makes me worship God every single morning. When I'm in the shower, rinsing the conditioner out of my hair. You know what I mean? So I'm going to pause it because our time is up. But think... Gyra, which is the name of God. If you search that Gyra song, it's going to come up, Magic, Maverick City. Listen to the song, look at the words. That is something you could use in the morning when you have no time to do anything else, and it's going to at least make you think about God before you start your day. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray. We are done. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the time that you gave me with these two sweet girls, Lord. And I pray that something I said, Lord, can help them in something that they face today or tomorrow. And I just thank you for the time you've given us and thank you for the time you've given me and the things that you've allowed me to experience that I can help others with, Lord. I just pray for the next speakers in your name. Amen.